and welcome to We Read It One Night, the podcast where two sisters invite you to join the romance revolution by recapping our favorite romance novels. In today's episode, we're talking about the book that blooded us, pun intended, Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Welcome to part one of the Twilight Renaissance. Enjoy the show. Yes, Rachel accidentally used the wrong mic when we recorded part one and two, which is why she sounds a little different than usual, but still great. If you go to the home improvement, there's any kind of home improvement store, Home Depot or Lowe's, go to the floor sample section, get you some floor samples. They make great free posters. You could have already known this if you followed us on TikTok. So you're missing out if you're not following us on TikTok. Another thing you're missing out on if you don't follow us on Instagram is elephant vampire shifters. One of Allison's personal favorite topics. (laughs) I'm this close to writing a, a Twilight Ice Planet Barbarians original character crossover fanfic. If we get to 10,000 downloads by the end of the month, I'll write it <laughs> and release it. Would We're you currently like um, at approximately 2,000. So get downloading. I, I know that it's possible because there's at least over 10,000 of you <laughs> listening. Would you like to explain how being an elephant is beneficial? Okay. So, okay. If you're a vampire, obviously you're strong. And by vampires, we'll get more into what it means to be a twilight vampire, but I'm specifically thinking about twilight vampires. We're not talking about true blood vampires. I'm not talking about the vampire diaries vampires. I'm talking about twilight vampire lore. And if you are an elephant, if you are an elephant shifter and a vampire, then when you transform into an elephant, you have extra big tusks for like puncturing. Like you can just like ram right through people. And then you have your trunk, which just go- lets you go <laughs> and like just slurp them right up in like two slurps. And we recognize that real elephants don't drink through their trunk. But if you're a vampire elephant, like let's be real, that's a built in Capri Sun straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, elephant trunks are just noses. And, like, it would be unpleasant for me to drink through my nose, but I could, you know, if you, like, are drinking something and, like, you, like, snort milk out of your nose, that's, like, a a comedy thing. And when they put in feeding tubes, they put it in through your nose. It's all connected. That's why you go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. So there's no reason why these supernatural, like, double supernatural elephants wouldn't. And we know that elephants are good in a war. Like, if you've ever taken a world history class, you know this. Or just seen Lord of the Rings. Or seen Turkey circa 1300, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So you know that when the vampire Volturi War goes down, those elephants are coming in handy. Uh, Who has ever got the elephants has got the uh, upper hand, the upper tusk. No, no, no. Might I say. (laughs) In my fan fiction, it's... It's the elephants versus the Volturi. Yeah. And the problem, the reason the elephants win is because in my head, there's like 40 of them. It's a big herd. The poachers can't get them because they're too, because they're fucking vampires and shifters. And it's got to take like at least, at least minimum five Volturi like to battle against one elephant. You know? Yeah, for sure. There's no way the Volturi have those kind of what numbers. Picture, like, if they're drinking through their trunks, their trunks are at least like you know, the width of a human head. That's what I'm picturing here. The diameter. Yes. And so just yeah. like straight up there. And the <laughs> Volturi are all older humans, which means that they're smaller. So like they're easier to slurp up, basically. 
And then the way the ice planet comes into this is that the alien traffickers will be like, oh, my God, we can abduct these shifter vampire elephants to use in the intergalactic space war as like weapons, as ground troops. And so they abduct them and then they strand get stranded on Not Hoth and then obviously meet the Sakui. And so are they elephants or are they like woolly mammoths? Because they're doing they're doing well on Not Hoth. I feel like they've got to have some like hair up in there, you know. They're getting quee. True. What do you true. mean? They would be even more powerful with like woolly mammoth hair because you know, like the Sakui have like the fuzzy down already, so it helps them, whereas the humans like still need a light jacket, you know. It's more like it's it's February for the humans, but it's like May for the Sakwi. I don't know. I haven't worked this out. Listener, you're only getting the answer to that if we get to 10,000 downloads <laughs> by the end of January. So hop to it. Get clicking. <laughs> Speaking of downloads, something I highly recommend to download is the audiobooks of Twilight done by the one, the only, <laughs> honestly, should be the most famous star narrator in the audiobook world, Ileana Kadushin. Like this girl, she's got her own sick intro music. She just has... It's not specifically for her. It's for Twilight. Sick intro music. Awesome voices. Her only weakness is the way she says Bella. Bella. No matter which character is saying it, that's how it sounds. But other than that, Ileana, my girl, if you hit us up. Like, if you want to just narrate my life... If you want to narrate... The Elephant Vampire Shifter book that oh Allison definitely going to write because this is definitely going to happen. Just you're listening out there. We would love to buy you a Capri Sun. And by a Capri Sun, I mean a blood smoothie. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I would listen. I don't even need you to narrate anything. I just want to take you out to lunch. So if you're Ileana Kadushin or you know anyone who can get us in contact with Ileana Kadushin, I w- we would like to take you out to lunch. We are, we can get easily and COVID safely to like most major cities in the Northeast. So if you're anywhere in that area, Ileana, hit us up. We'll also, we could do like a virtual lunch. We'll like Postmate you some, some food and then we'll just eat it over Zoom. But in person, preferable. Ileana, like the Twilight books were the first audiobooks that I really listened to. Like before that, we hadn't discovered audiobooks. We were literally on a road trip to Forks, <laughs> reading Twilight out loud in the car to each other, like with our <laughs> brother adding some color, you know. And then I was just like, I just got so car sick at one point. I was just like fed up. And you were like, all right, fine, just get the audiobooks. And we were like, oh, it's not going to be as good. It won't be as authentic. And it was Ileana. It was fucking life changing. She's incredible. She's incredible. But I think we should talk a little bit about our Twilight background in general, because I think that's important before we hop in to this journey of recapping the Twilight saga. So Rachel, you want to go first? So Allison was a super fan in middle school. No, in the sixth grade. In the sixth grade, which is middle school for most people in the country, I would say. I read the books. I was in, what, like eighth or ninth grade at that point? I like the books. Didn't really talk about the books with any of my friends, although I'm not sure why. My, I don't know. My friends just didn't read. Allison definitely did talk about it with all of her friends. Allison was invited to go meet the cast of Twilight at the local mall. <laughs> apparently, I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to skip school to go, and it's literally one of my biggest regrets to this day. 
I'm still mad at mom she about it. She sat in her room crying. No, I didn't. I sat in my she class. Did. I sat in my fucking science class crying. Oh, well, I thought you were like then moping in your room. You 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 waited until that night to go on a real crying. <laughs> I went on a real crying jet. <laughs> no, yeah, I like well, I heard about them from my friend, and then I read them. Like those are the first books I think I ever like fully binged. Like I stayed up all night reading the Twilight book, and I pro tip. Well, I feel like if you're young enough to do this. Maybe you shouldn't be listening to our podcast because I was 12 at the time. But pro tip, if you're ever trying to read in your parents' house and you don't want to read under the covers because they'll see that you have the light on. And it's hot and sweaty under there. Just yes, it's it. it's not great. Or you just don't, don't want to leave the light on in your room and like read in bed because they'll be like, go to bed. Just go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet and read <laughs> because nobody is going to knock on the door and be like, why aren't you in bed? They'll just think you're going to the bathroom. <laughs> so that's what I did. I read the whole Twilight Saga on the toilet. <laughs> um, I once had dreams of memorizing the entire first book and going on a speaking tour around the United States. <laughs> that never materialized. I did memor- have the epilogue memorized at one point, <laughs> and that's kind of how far it went. I would brag to people at swim meets that I had like read the first book like 12 times and I would be confused as to why they weren't like wildly impressed with me. It was like the cool girls on the swim team. I'd be like, yeah, I love Twilight. And they'd be like, okay. And then they'd like, you know, dive in for their race. I'd be like, see ya. (laughs) Yeah. And then I, and then I went through um, like a long phase of not like other, I'm not like other girls where I pretended I didn't like Twilight. And then I got over it and I started reading romance full time. And now I'm back on that twilight twilight train, baby. But this, I would say that this is like my first real, like my this is my first jump into the pool of romance. I would say the first time I dipped my toes into the pool of romance was when I read Ella Enchanted, which is not a romance. It's like more of like a middle grade coming of age, but like yeah. Ella and Char, man. <sighs> yeah. Love them. Yeah. I couldn't say. I mean, I guess this was mine probably too, but- I also remember, I think we mentioned this before, but I remember watching The Matrix in high school. I took like a film class and we watched it. And I remember really liking it. And the only reason I liked it is because of the like very minor romantic subplot between Neo (laughs) and Trinity. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but like I am. (laughs) And we rewatched that movie last night. And so I watched it for the first time in years. And it's like, I just feel like I was just so starved for like any kind of like storyline like that because now I'm watching that and I'm like there is literally no buildup of this relationship. But I feel like Twilight was like kind of like that in that you like never read anything like this and it's like wow this is like your first drop of water after being in the proverbial <laughs> desert. Oh, you want to know another experience I had like that in the in the sixth grade was um, mom was reading the Pillars of the Earth. I forget who it's by, but it's a famous, it's like a 1200 page book about like the fucking middle ages and about like all these people and they're trying to build a church and also a bridge is involved and like someone, a nun gets accused of witchcraft at one point. I don't know. But there are some sex scenes in that book, very few and far between and not like whatever. But there's this scene in which like the peasant girl goes and hooks up with her like peasant boyfriend in the barn. And, like, the description is, like, she rode him like a pony. (laughs) And I just remember reading that scene and being, like, (laughs) so, 
like, why do I feel like this? Oh my god. Subpar. And I was also like, mom recommended me this book. I'm 12. Yeah, the book was definitely not suitable oh for 12 year olds. Yeah. But I think I figured out, I had another brain blast. Like, you know, there's so many people who say like, oh, I used to read so much as a kid, but now it's like so hard for me to even pick up a book and finish it. And I yeah. think the big reason for that is because so many kids books are like they either they're always going to have a happy ending or at least like a satisfying ending. They have to keep you entertained the whole time. There's there's no no room for like any of that like literary waffle, like none of that. Yeah. And that's why I remember my first real experience, real experience being like super burned by a book is when I found Gone with the Wind in the Basement. When I was like, I don't know. Like, I found it in the basement too. Yeah, How did we both like, find it in the basement? Because that's where it was. That's where I left it. It's where it belongs. I was like 13 and I was like halfway through and I was like, you know, I just remember it starts out and I'm like, oh, this Scarlet girl is like, her life is so great. Oh, wow. She gets married and it gets ruined. This sucks. And then I'm like reading it and I'm like, this is really depressing. But I'm like, you know, I'll push through because I'm sure the ending's good. But then like no. halfway through the like giant ass book, I look up the ending and it's like, no. Her daughter dies, they get divorced. And I'm like, all right, I'm not fucking finishing this. Like, that's the first time I was really like, you know, DNF, like, this is not worth. Before that, I'd never really been burned like that. And I think, like, that's what it is. And that's why romances are so, like, good and easy to pick up because you know exactly what you're getting. And, like, you know, sometimes there's still examples of books that are, like, you know, don't, not everything is resolved. I'm not going to name names here, but (laughs) but (laughs) by and large, it's, like, it's safe. Yeah. No, I mean, I I genuinely think, like, the, like, internalized misogyny of wanting to, you know, quote, unquote, not be like other girls and not wanting to, like, admit that the romance elements of, like, regardless of whether I'm reading a romance or, like, a different genre with romantic elements, like, those romantic elements were always my favorite parts. Like, Mm -hmm. I was a big Percy Jackson fan. Percy and Annabeth were my favorite parts. I was a big Harry Potter fan, which comes as a lot of intricacies now. But when I started reading Harry Potter fan fiction, it was to read fucking James and Lily Potter <laughs> smut. Like that was the first fan fiction I ever read. And my I from like sixth grade, I would say like maybe halfway through seventh grade to like a year after I graduated college, I read like maybe 20 books a year. And this is from someone who like won a pizza party for like reading the most books in the sixth grade class. And it was like maybe 20 books a year. And that's including books that I had to read for school. And I was an English major. So I had to read a shit ton of books. And I think it was because, and like also as like a like as someone who has always wanted to write a book, the first book I ever wrote was a Harry Potter fan fiction that I didn't realize at the time, but looking back was is definitely a fucking YA like rom com. It's a fucking <laughs> YA romance. And every time I tried to write something afterward, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna write sci-fi. Oh, I'm gonna write fantasy. Oh, I'm gonna write a thriller. And I could like force myself to like write like the beginning, and then I just never knew where to go because I didn't actually enjoy writing it. <laughs> And then I finally let myself read romance again and I fucking read like 150 books in a year and I like wrote my first book and started writing writing more and like actually having ideas for the first time in my life. And it was just so like, God, 10 years of my life. Yeah. But that's why I'm I'm glad that Twilight is having like it's Twilight. Well, the Twilight Renaissance has been going on for a while. Yeah. Sort of like reclaiming of Twilight. But um, I'm glad that it like people are recognizing like. There are plenty of things to criticize about Twilight, for right. sure. It's not We're like here a masterwork, but it's great entertainment. And yeah. it's just – and it just, like, introduced so many people, including us, yeah. to, like, romance. I'm just, like, no longer here. I've been trying to be at least much more. I'm just no longer here for, like, telling people they shouldn't like things that are fun. Like, I just – just it doesn't matter. If it brings you enjoyment, it's not hurting anybody. There's no reason 
for anyone to be making fun of you for it. Yeah. But speaking of before we finally (laughs) start talking about the actual book, I do want to say one of the problematic things of Twilight is its use um, of the Quileute tribes more and like their identities and characters that are members of the Quileute tribe with no input from the Quileute tribe. They didn't benefit it like from in any way from Twilight or the Twilight movies. So we will be putting a link in the description to the Quileute uh, reservation move to higher ground fund, which is a fund to help move the reservation from where it is now to outside of the tsunami zone. Um, for those of you that have never been to the west coast of the U.S., literally the entire coast is like covered in yeah. signs. It's like tsunami warning, watch out! And the Quilly Reservation is like right on the coast. It's like right in the middle, of like a really particularly bad flood zone. Um, so they are trying to move to higher ground, which is where the name comes from. So we will be donating to that and we will be including the link to that in all of our episodes on the Twilight series. Um, So please consider giving back to a tribe who features very, very heavily in this series and never, never got any sort of compensation for it, any sort of input in how their culture was being used. Yeah. Speaking of which, why do we think Stephanie chose the town of Forks? as the setting here do we think that she chose forks for the symbolism like it's a crossroads it's like a fork in the road we all agree and i thought this from the very beginning it's such a weird stupid name for a town like not i mean like if there's a reason but it's just so like odd and then <laughs> what did you what did you say yeah no rachel asked me she was like first of all forks washington is a real place you can i know it. i know i know but like it's such a random but rachel first asked me this question and my immediate instinct for a symbolism for forks was like oh it's a book about a vampire who wants to eat a girl so forks <laughs> <laughs> yeah neither of those is i think is apple i think stephanie meyer just looked up small towns in the pacific northwest <laughs> and also i think she wanted to incorporate the quileutes and forks is like 15 minutes away from the Quilly Reservation. So I guess so. So we start out with a Bible verse. And a, f- a fact about Stephanie Meyer that you might not know, but that plays very heavily into Twilight as a work, is that she is Mormon. And we're not, listen, again, if you're not hurting anyone, I'm not here to like make fun of anybody's life choices. So if you're Mormon, you do you live your life. But I think it's funny that Stephanie Meyer started with a Bible verse, which like entices in the Mormons and the other like Christians. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come read this book. It, it's, there's nothing scandalous in it. And then she's like, boom, it's about vampires. Like, <laughs> bam. Honestly, like it took me a while. And maybe this is just because I grew up like in a religious environment. It took me a while to like realize just how heavy the Mormon influence was. And honestly – I'm surprised it's not heavier. Like that's, I think that's what it is for me is that I'm like, it's really, it's like in your face, but like not, it could be much more in your face. And so that's like, for me, there's like a few places where I'm like, like Edward being like, not explicitly like, I don't know. None of them are explicitly religious is what I'm saying. No. It would have been very easy to have Charlie like go to church or something. Like, you know, it would have been very in character. Yeah. The closest thing we ever get is Carlisle being, I mean, he, I guess he's technically Anglican because his father was like an Anglican preacher. Sure. There are definitely religious overtones, 100%. For sure, for sure. Yeah, but nobody, there's no, like, defined religion. And I wouldn't even say, like, if I had to take a guess as to what, like, branch of Christianity, I wouldn't guess Mormonism necessarily. No, it could be anything, yeah. So, we begin. 
fucking dramatic ass prologue. Do you still have it memorized? No. <laughs> I honestly really don't like this as a start to the book. I'm going to be honest. Like it just, it's not the vibe. My favorite part of this book is the first three quarters. Like I could do without the entire ending basically. <laughs> so like there's no the most reason. action heavy part too. Yeah, it is. I'm not, I don't like action. What? You, you know me. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easily yeah. like skip over that anytime, yeah. any day. So the the prologue is like it's basically um just giving a teaser to like the finale the big standoff in the finale. It's like from Bella's perspective. Um and it's dramatic and whatever and she's like I'm going to die in the place of somebody that I love, whatever. And I w- I will say for this, I don't think you would see this in a YA now, but again Twilight like revolutionized the YA industry. Like Twilight like is responsible for the current YA industry. Like no ifs ands or buts about it. And this was very common at the beginning, particularly when you had, because a lot of YA that was set in like the real world, like those openings are very boring. It's just like, it's usually just like the teenage main character goes to school and talks with her friends and they're they're not going to start out with action. (laughs) And again, that's different for YA today, but like it was, it was common in YA then to have, to start with sort of this, like this preview of like the high octane ending to like give readers a little taste so that they, they're like, okay, I know that reading this like arguably boring beginning mm-hmm. is going to pay off. See, I, I don't know. I like those beginnings. I know. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's a good decision and people don't do it anymore. The thing is, the thing I will say about the prologue is that who's the hunter, you know, the way it's phrased, he's like the hunter smiled at me in a friendly way or whatever. As he sauntered forward to kill me, could be Edward. Who's to say? If you remember that reading through the book, when you once you find out that like Edward wants to slurp her up like a free son, that could be <laughs> you could think back to that and be like, oh fuck, he's gonna kill her. <laughs> like Yeah, she's playing the pronoun game. We don't know. Stephanie's keeping us on tether hooks. Cause we know Edward is a vampire because the back <laughs> cover copy tells you that he's a vampire. And we will recite it for you later. I do still have that memorized. Okay, so. We have the prologue. Now we open. Bella is 17 years old. She lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Her parents are divorced. They got divorced when she was a baby. Her mom is Renee, and she lives with her mom in Phoenix. And her dad is Charlie, and he lives it in, you guessed it, Forks. And Bella likes the son, and she doesn't like going to Forks. But Renee, who is the world's shittiest parent, just started dating a hot new young minor league baseball player. You're married, which, by the way, funny. sounds a lot cooler than it is. Minor league baseball yeah. is hell on earth. You get paid like below. You get paid like minimum wage in minor league baseball. Like, it fucking sucks. The only good part about the minor leagues is the hope that you'll get into the major leagues. Like that's it. And if you, I mean, if you love baseball and you don't mind living on not a lot of money. You know, no, but it's like really like I don't know. I forget. I definitely. I think I listened to like a podcast, like I read an article about this once. But it's like you almost like lose money, just like <laughs> on the amount of expenses that you have. Like the minor yeah. leagues are really shit. Like they're not sustainable long term usually. So Renee is essentially Bella's child, and folks, parentification—that's what that's called—is a form of abuse. If you are the parent, you should not be making your child pick up your dry cleaning and do your taxes and remind you to eat and pay for her own fucking clothes, Renee. Like, and listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not judging people of low financial means because I know they're extenuating circumstances, but like Renee overall, I don't think this is the case. The fact that Bella thinks of like having her quote, her own quote unquote resources, Bella and Renee quote, pool their resources to supplement Bella's wardrobe. 
Like, no, no, you're 17. Your mom should be your resource. But it's even more than that because, again, like I recognize that there are people who live in family who particularly in low-income families where like as soon as you're able to work, like you really have to work because otherwise like your family just won't be able to survive. But I don't think this is that is the case here because in every capacity, Bella is Renee's parent. Like she is emotionally Renee's parent. She reminds like Renee, like later on, she sends her a frantic email. She's like, where's my shirt? And Bella's like, don't worry, it's there. And she like gives her all these lists. She's like, I'm the person she calls when she gets lost. And it implies that Bella's been doing this for like years. And she's 17. I'm just I just want to give a basis of how shitty, because we're gonna dunk on Renee a lot, and I think it's fully <laughs> justified. And so yeah. I just want you all to know why we're dunking on Renee. And it's because she's really just a horrible parent overall. And you'll see some more examples of this. Let me go back to why did Charlie let Renee leave the state with Bella? I mean, I get it was the 80s. I get he was just like, you know, grief, you know, he was just not, you know, grief stricken and like didn't want to deal with it. But like, if you're divorced and you share custody, like one parent can't just like move thousands of miles away or however, however far it is. Like you need to get permission for that. Like that's not something Charlie should have got full custody is what we're saying here. But so some Twilight background from my from my reading. One. Charlie, the reason Charlie couldn't leave Forks, not it wasn't just because he was like, I love Forks and I can never leave, like, I heart Forks forever. It was he had elderly parents there that he needed to take care of. So he has to stay in Forks. And then Stephanie Meyer uses the justification of, like, fathers rarely got custody, particularly in the 80s, which is when Bella was born, which I get. But she she uses it to the extent where she published for the 10th anniversary of Twilight, a Twilight gender bent version, in which every character is the opposite gender except for Renee and Charlie because she's just like it was so completely unrealistic that like a father would get custody in the 80s. I just don't understand why Renee would have wanted custody to be honest with you. It just does not seem her MO. Like I think she was like I want to mini me. I want to like dress her up. I guess yeah. So Bella tells us that quote Renee looks just like me except with you know shorter hair and laugh lines whatever. What a Missed opportunity to tell us what Bella looks like without the use of a mirror, which is what we get later. Like it could have easily, <laughs> she could have easily been yeah. like, "My mom has brown hair and brown eyes and pale skin. She looks just like me, except with whatever." Yeah, Renee. <laughs> like Renee is also, she's described as having wide, childlike eyes. She's like childlike in that she's selfish, like children, but like without the innocence of childhood. Yeah, and Bella's yeah. like, I can see the sacrifice in her eyes behind the promise. But, but Renee's like, I'll come back whenever you need me. Yeah, wait, we, so we didn't give the background. We didn't give what's happening. So Phil is going to Florida to try his hand in the minor leagues, because whatever. And Renee is like sad because she is missing Phil, which, okay, fine. Like, it's fair to miss your husband. <laughs> but Bella is essentially like, I'm going to go move in with my dad and live with him full time so that I don't make my mom sad. Which is so fucked up. Which is so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like what kind of mom lets their kid think that they're like a sacrifice slash burden? Yeah. God, Renee. Yeah, so Bella is quote unquote exiling herself to Forks. So Bella gets on the plane, specifically wearing a white eyelid lace shirt as a farewell <laughs> gesture to the sun. <laughs> In the movie, she has a cactus as a plant. And I really like that as well. Yeah. So Renee has let it be known that Bella's a burden. They've pooled their resources to supplement her winter wardrobe because she's going to Forks, which is allegedly the most rainy place in the continental United States. 
But that is, in fact, not true. Forks now, listen, here's where I think Stephanie got confused. The the Pacific Northwest is, in fact, the place with the most cloud cover in the United States. But the rainiest place, the place that gets the most inches of rain per year is Nolens. Nolens. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll forget. Listen, this book is pretty well researched. Like, I think Stephanie Meyer like really dug deep in her 2004 internet capabilities to like find fun facts about forks. But just saying, she got a little confused on this one. Drop the ball. Drop the ball, Steph. Indeed. So Charlie picks Bella up in his cruiser because he is the police chief of forks and apparently is allowed to use his cruiser for personal use, which we've looked into this. That is apparently a thing sometimes that like police can use their cars whatever i just think it's personally the fact that this is ex- his exclusive car like he does not own another yeah. car besides the cruiser and i just think that's such a misuse of public funds right. in, like even in real life that that's allowed we also looked into like there's no real reason for charlie to be poor maybe he drained a lot of his resources taking care of his parents like maybe they didn't have insurance and he had to like cover a lot of their costs and maybe he just like doesn't trust banks because he does you know he he keeps his like food money in a jar and cash so like maybe he's losing a lot of money (laughs) to inflation but like we looked at median salaries for police chiefs and including in like forks in the pacific northwest and like he he's a single man i'm sure he pays child support i'm sure but that's not going to be like crippling you know he owns his own home there is like no he has very few expenses. He has like one child to support. There is no reason this man should be like anything but solidly middle class. But we're get we're like led to believe that they're all like poor. <laughs> yeah. I mean he also he also regularly fishes. So he has like fish right. that he doesn't have to like buy meat. But he does eat out a lot. But like still, that's not I mean He eats like burgers and be... fries. He's not yeah, like he gets right. pizza. He's not right. going at gourmet restaurants. And he probably makes that pizza last. Like he doesn't like have any vices, or like he doesn't go out on the town and like blow his cash, like that we know of. So like it's very unclear why Charlie and Charlie seems responsible. Like I would believe that Renee would like find a way to like keep them poor, even if she was like making millions a year. You know, like Charlie is not that kind of guy. So it's unclear why. Whatever. (laughs) So Bella's in the car in his cruiser, and she just stares subjectively out the window and lets just a few (laughs) tears escape. (laughs) <laughs> She's not in the mood to yet go in a full crying jag. She'll save that for tonight. <laughs> and <laughs> Charlie is like, I bought you a car. And she's like, what? I was going to buy myself a car. And she's like, I'm not used to being taken care of. Like, like I don't know. Just the fact she does not. She has like zero expectations for either of her parents. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, listen, getting bought a car, I wouldn't say is like. No, it's not an expectation, but, like, she's so shocked. Well, but there's no bus in Forks. Allegedly, there's, like, no school bus system. Despite the fact that when we went there, we saw the school bus lots. Like, the real town is not leaving its kids to trudge through the rain into school. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we'll talk about the school, but, yeah, so we we visit, we have visited Forks. We stayed in Forks. We, in fact, stayed in a house that was, like, right next to the school. <laughs> so we, we're going to give you some, like, a look into the Forks like topography some fun <laughs> facts about forks throughout this but yeah yeah it has fucking school buses and also is supremely walkable like it's maybe a mile long yeah in in twilight she describes it as like everything is right off the highway and like i don't know what kind of highway she's picturing but like i mean if by highway you mean two-lane road where the max speed limit is like 30 miles an hour and there's stoplights the entire way like sure but <laughs> i would just call that a main street in like any well, small town the thing is is i think that to be fair, Stephanie Meyer is getting this all from like MapQuest, I'm assuming. And I think that road is actually like technically a highway. 
like I think it's designated a highway. It just 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 doesn't look like a highway by like our northeast standards. Yeah, but Charlie has like bought her car and it's very old, but like well fixed up, and he got it from Jacob and Billy Black on the reservation. Remember those names? And she's <laughs> like, like he's like Bella. The thing runs great, and she's like, ah, the thing. It has possibilities as a nickname, at least. But we never get that again. Like, why yeah. is it not the thing? Bella gets in the thing and drives to the supermarket. Yeah. Bella slaps the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Slaps, I, don't know. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish that she, yeah. Bella that she, almost like, gets really... run over by Tyler's van next to the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and I just want to say, and Forks, there are like a million trucks. There's like, just like lined up at like various points in the town. Like a bunch of these like red 1950s trucks that Bella drives, which is I think great. Like good for the town of Forks. We're really leaning into that. It's like wonderful. The town of Forks has really leaned into their like twilight identity. It's it's truly wonderful. Also, while Bella is looking out the window, she's complaining about the trees and how everything is like being green. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I understand. Alien planet. I understand that you, like, live in fucking Arizona, but you've been here before. Like, it's not like you've never seen a goddamn deciduous tree in your life. Like, <laughs> No, it's all it's all pines. There's some deciduous trees. Sure, but yeah. Either so, way. So Bella gets home. She unpacks. She stares her, herself in the mirror. It's how we find out what she looks like. <laughs> she's super pale. And then she, like, talks about how she's always felt like she's on a different wavelength from everyone around her and just, like, doesn't you know, apparently didn't have any friends at her old school. And she's like, maybe there was a glitch in my brain, but the cause didn't matter. All that mattered was the effect. I'm just like, Bella, Stephanie, sometimes the cause can matter. Diagnosis can be very helpful. This is the first, but not the last time. It's very clear that Bella needs some therapy. (laughs) Well, I mean, she's been abused by her mother. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess before that. Even on top of that, there was we saw a TikTok once, and we'll try to find it, but we found it we saw it a while ago, so I don't know whether we can find it. But I think this is a general discussion about like Bella being coded as autistic. Now, I don't think that was in any way purposeful on Stephanie Meyer's part, but like Bella, yeah, she's very much like, you know, clumsiness is a symptom of autism. She very much like the way she speaks and the way she interacts with other people, it's like clear that like they don't really get her intentions and she doesn't really understand them necessarily there's just so many times i remember reading this book the first time and many subsequent times that i just like did not understand the way that bella reacts to things like it's just very far and i don't know to me yeah and she's talking she has a glitch in her brain she has difficulty relating to people edward literally can't read her her mind the same as he yeah edward's like you everyone else runs on fm and you're on am like she her brain runs on a different frequency and i just like i always i wonder like whether you know, as someone who was like recently, very recently diagnosed with autism, I wonder whether that was like why I related to Bella so much. Because whenever people were like, assign your Twilight character, like everyone wanted to be Alice or everyone or like Rosalie because she was hot or like other characters, like nobody really wanted to be Bella. Bella got like mocked a lot. And I was always just like, I don't know, I feel like I really vibe with Bella in a lot of these <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. And like, I'm wondering whether it was like, I was like, oh, here is this person who is not like, because I feel like the heroine in like a lot of YA and middle grade books is like as much as the author tries to make her seem like awkward and clumsy and like unsocial, like she's always like the cool popular girl who like gets along with everybody, you know, as much as like she's unpopular. You know what I mean? Like she. Uh, well, Bella is the cool popular girl somehow. Bella somehow is the cool popular girl. We'll talk about Bella being the popular girl. But (laughs) 
Belle's not the popular girl because of who she is. She's there by circumstance. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, as much as like the the typical like YA heroine was was supposed to be like uncool, like she was she was always cool, but like she was a cool girl in like an uncool disguise to make her more t- relatable TM. <laughs> but Bella wasn't. Bella was just really a fucking nerd. And I was like, yeah, girl. And so like I'm like I I wonder like how much I sort of unconsciously was relating to that sitting yeah. on the toilet at 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I like thought Bella wasn't cool. It's just that I like knew I just like didn't I just like knew I wasn't Bella and could never be. But part of that is that she's like very much the like I'm small TM. Oh. No boys <laughs> like me TM. <laughs> like I that was yeah. not me at that age. So right. Okay. So Bella goes to sleep. She can't sleep with the rain. Which, okay, I, I realized this recently. I am a very, very light sleeper and very sensitive to noise, except I realized for noises that have been around since birth. So like traffic in the distance, that's great. Very calming. Nothing more nostalgic than a high singular motorcycle wide in the distance. Or like rain. Rain is lovely. I've always been very jealous of people who grew up with TVs in their bedrooms, not because they were allowed to have a TV in their bedroom, but because I feel like it gave them a lot of practice of like falling asleep to blaring (laughs) noise and light. And you just become so powerful when that is your baseline. I feel like Like, (laughs) I just remember not being able to sleep for like ever, literally hours having to like go out in the middle of the night to buy earplugs on literally an empty beach in Thailand. But like three miles away, there was like one singular club playing club music. And somehow like the faintest beats reverberated across the beach and I was like I, I just couldn't like my brain just couldn't handle it could not tune it out I just feel like I'd be so much stronger if I had a yeah but also those people then like find it difficult to fall asleep in silence I guess so but that's easier to remedy I don't know yeah I don't know if anyone has any solutions for making earplugs not wake you up after four hours from like severe pain let me know because that didn't <laughs> used to happen to me it started happening which is earplugs were a godsend when I discovered like how to actually put in earplugs like I tried using them for years, but I didn't know you had to like twist them up and like put them. I would just like try to shove them in my ear. I'd be like, "This isn't doing anything." Yeah. And then when I discovered it was like, "Oh my god, the power to fall asleep whenever in college!" It was amazing. And then they turned on me. They're still good for fall. It's still better to be able to fall asleep and then wake up versus not being able to fall asleep at all. So yeah, no, I can't do earplugs. They make me feel like I'm gonna die. So Bella goes to school the next day. And she specifically says the sign that declared it as Forks High School made me stop because she's like, it didn't look like a school. And I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, what else would make you stop? Why would you stop at a random building unless it said school? Well, here's the thing. She says it looks like a collection of weird matching maroon houses. That doesn't really look like a school, except when you remember that, first of all, there would never be a disconnected school like that in Washington State. Like, come on, this is very clearly something that Stephanie is picturing because she grew up in a warm place. That's impossible when it's cold and rainy all the time. You're not going to make the kids walk. But so but if we forget about that, then like if you're if you're expecting like, a you know, what I would consider a typical high school building, which is like one giant square block, like mm-hmm. it's not going to that doesn't look like a school, but it doesn't it just like doesn't check out. And then she's like, where was the feel of the institution? Where were the chain link fences and metal detectors? And I have a hard time picturing like a disconnected school being surrounded by something like that. One. Two, is this Stephanie Meyer's like post-apocalyptic image of like what all high schools look like post 9-11? Like what was the Phoenix crime rate at this time? Like why? But we also determined that Stephanie Meyer, so Bella and Stephanie Meyer presumably went to the same high school because Stephanie Meyer also grew up in Phoenix. And the part of 
Steph, so Bella doesn't actually live directly in Phoenix. She lives in Scottsdale, which is like right outside no. of Phoenix. Yes, oh, yeah, she does. Yeah, she yeah. lives in Scottsdale. Her mom is there. So she goes, and that is like a much wealthier area. No, remember it's the whole Paradise versus Par- Paradise Valley versus Paradise Valley Township situation. It's yeah. we don't know for sure. So there's a I part- thought we determined that Bella definitely goes to No, because here's okay, here's here's the thing. Bella is looking at the parking lot and she's like Oh, I'm glad the car is like the nicest car here is a shiny silver Volvo. Whereas back home, me and my mom lived in one of the only low income na- neighborhoods included in the Paradise Valley School District. So you would see like super nice cars like Lamborghinis in the student lot. So this is what doesn't make sense. There's a neighborhood in Phoenix called Paradise Valley. Okay. That school is their Paradise Valley school, but I looked it up and it's like not super like bougie. It's like a very average school based on like, you know, test scores and demographics. Maybe it used to be nice. There's also something called, I think it's Paradise Valley Township. It's something, Paradise Valley Municipality, which is like 15 minutes away from Phoenix. And like you said, like that's very, it's a very nice area. It's like outside of the city, but they go to Scottsdale School District. They don't go to Paradise Valley. So it's very unclear. Like, I guess we can assume like she thought it was called that or like they switched at some point in the past like 20 years. I don't know. There's something later that leads me to believe that Bella definitely went to the the wealthier area one, mm-hmm. apart from her saying that her school had a bunch of nice cars in it. But again, then why why would it have metal detectors? Like what? <laughs> again, I know. Like- yeah, that's that's my thing. Is like she's not going to school. She's lives in Scottsdale. I feel like we can because we explicitly get that her mom lives in Scottsdale, but she gives her mom's address at the end. Oh, of the okay, okay. Then it must be yeah. Yes. So she doesn't go to a city school, and this is not. I don't want to make like broad stereotypes about city schools and cities in general but i feel like the majority of school like if you live in the suburbs the likelihood of there being metal detectors all over your school is generally pretty low so i just like why would bella have metal detectors in her school okay wait no no no. paradise valley unified school district serves phoenix northeast phoenix and scottsdale arizona so what – so so people in Scottsdale don't go to Scottsdale School District? <laughs> like what? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm assuming Stephanie knew what she was talking about. It's just a little hard to like reconstruct. If you're listening to this podcast and you went to high school in Phoenix or any of the very close surrounding areas in the 80s and or if you went to high school specifically with Stephanie Meyer, please reach out to us and give us some information. This is vital for us to know. <laughs> so Bella goes in and meets the receptionist. She has lots of nice plants. Bella is like, oh, as soon as I saw the receptionist's purple t-shirt, I felt overdressed. I'm like, what are you wearing that like a t-shirt makes you feel for high school? Like, are you visiting from Europe or Phoenix? Like, <laughs> what? She like one of the international kids walking into yeah. like, class with like Gucci and is like, hello. Yeah, right. Like what? Ma'am. Is that why her and Renee had to pool their resources? Because they bought yeah. only designer clothes for Bella? <laughs> only the best. Bella like put her foot down. <laughs> yeah. I would cut some Renee some slack there if her daughter demanded like thousand dollar clothes. Well, I mean, yeah. Hey, another symptom of autism is like sensitivity to textures, particularly with like clothes and materials. That's true. So it makes sense if Bella's autistic that there are only certain materials that mm-hmm. she will wear. So Bella gets a map and she's like, oh, I'm going to try to memorize this right now so I don't have to like look at it all day and look like an idiot as if that would make you look like an idiot, like not immediately knowing where everything is on your first day. But how, if she can do that, like props to her, that's very impressive. I, yeah. I could probably stare at a map for like hours and not 
learn a single thing that I would be able to like memorize take away. Yeah. And I'm sure that this is a product of the fact that we were both born in the 90s. And by the time we had to start reading maps like MapQuest and Google Maps were already in like the fledgling beginnings. So like there was really never a time. And then by the time we were driving, like you could get Google Maps on your phone, you know, or Apple Maps. So there was never a time in which we had to memorize a map. Like there were definitely maps in our house. Like mom and dad had those big like giant map books. Oh, yeah. That we would take on family road trips when we were kids. Oh, but like we never had to look at them or read them because we were children sitting in the backseat of the minivan. We did have much more exposure than I think the average person because I specifically remember we went to Italy and we spent like three hours at one in the morning driving around this one goddamn traffic circle in like Rome or somewhere. <laughs> and that's Rome. when I put my foot down. I was only 14, but I was like, I will not <laughs> be going on another trip with any of you unless you get a goddamn gps because at that point all our friends oh yeah it was everyone had a gps it was gps like a different separate gps we were traveling so we couldn't do map quests and print out the directions for everything so they were just like looking at a map probably like in italian or something and Mm -hmm. we just like couldn't find the fucking hotel oh my god yeah anyway then we got a gps and you know what I, I think I remember thinking the gps's were like so expensive but even back then they were like at most 100 bucks you know, which is like a yeah. lot of money, but it's not like break. I I was like, at the time I was like, oh, this must be like thousands of dollars if we're going, if we're putting ourselves through this like horrific <laughs> no. experience to avoid <laughs> buying it. <laughs> no. <laughs> We'd only recently like started paying for cable, Rachel. So, like, you know, we were PBS kids. That's true. <laughs> I feel like that gives you a general vibe of like what our childhood was like. Yeah. So Bella's like, takes a deep breath and she's like, going to do this not like anyone's going to bite me. And I cackled. <laughs> I was like, good. That was a good one, Stephanie. That was a really fucking good on you. <laughs> what a what a trick. Yeah. What a treat. So first, Bella's walking through the rain because for some reason the school is outside. And she's like, oh, thank good. My plain black jacket didn't stand out. And I'm like, in what universe would a plain black jacket now, stand don't forget out? That this is the early 2000s. And so like everything was just like sequins and like garish. Like, mm, not jackets. I would believe this more if we're still operating under the assumption that Stephanie Meyer is basing this entirely on her high school experience. Because I would believe that the 80s were like odd neon. She's also like everybody else because they live in this sunless place is pale. So at least my skin wouldn't be a standout here. And I'm like, ma'am, you're white. <laughs> you are white. <laughs> you're going to live in the Pacific Northwest. What do you mean? <laughs> like, when, when would your skin ever have been a, st- a standout? Like, there is no I, level of pale that is that say, pale. No, but like we've seen, like I remember thinking that, but then we've seen people that are that pale to where you can like see I their did. veins. I, yeah. I had a girl in my creative writing class who was – very pale. But frankly, I think the only reason I noticed just how pale she was was because we sat directly across the sharing circle from each other, like every class. And so I was like staring at her all the time. She was directly in my line of sight. But she was still like, it was still a room full of mostly white people. (laughs) You know, like she was, I wasn't like, oh my God, look how pale she, you know. Right, right. The only I think the only reason I noticed was because of fucking Twilight. Was because I was like, oh look, it's Bella. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Bella goes to her first class, and the first person who approaches her is a boy described as 
the a pimply, overly helpful chess club type with like greasy black <laughs> hair. And so me at this point, I had picked up this book and the only context I had for it was that famous back cover, which is like Edward is a vampire. I knew he was supposed to be super hot. Okay. So I was expecting super hot vampire. That was my only expectation going into this book. And I guess at this point, even though I hadn't yet really read any romance, I still, I guess it's just like an ingrained expectation that the first like boy you meet in the book is going to be the love interest. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is the love interest like this ugly pimply boy? Like, this is what a letdown. Like, I'm over this. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think he said his name is Eric, but like, I didn't know what the hero's name was. Or like, maybe then I checked back and I was like, oh, it's not Edward. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Eric is like, I'll help you to find all your classes. And even though Bella's memorized the map, he still like leads her right to the door. And she's like chatting with him. And he says, he's like, you're not very tan even though you're from Arizona. He's like, oh, my mom's part albino. And he doesn't laugh. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, it looks like clouds and a sense of humor don't mix. I guess like hopefully I won't be losing my ability to detect sarcasm anytime soon. And I'm just like, ma'am, like why would he laugh at your mom having a medical condition? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's not funny. It would, right. It would be like someone saying like, oh, you don't eat a lot of sugar. And you being like, oh, my mom's part type one diabetic. And then they start laughing. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? well, also you can't be like part of my- whatever. We're not going to get into that. But like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Bella, he didn't laugh because you're not fucking funny. <laughs> Luckily, she, Bella, like, makes a ton of friends because she's the new kid. Would you like to get into that? Yes. Okay. So I feel like this is often portrayed as like, and like, I think this is like the general trend of YA of people being like, why she's like suddenly like, oh, of course she's suddenly so popular. Like, why does everybody like her? But here's my thing. This is for a supernatural book about like two weird people falling in love. This is like the most realistic part of the whole fucking book series. As someone who was, so we we went to Catholic school as kids, even though we're not Catholic. And then we eat also like halfway through, we switched to public school. And Rachel and Stefan, like Rachel, you switched at the beginning of middle school. So like there were already other new people and Stefan switched for like first grade. So like nobody fucking remembers who you are anyway. But I switched in the fourth grade and I was the only new person in in my whole grade. And I was so fucking popular. This is the one time in my life that I was so fucking popular. Like everybody, like literally within the first like 48 hours of arriving at that school, I had people walking up to me and be like, hi, Allison, how are you? And I'd be like, who the fuck are you? I've never seen you in my entire life. And like every, like the popular boys had crushes on me. That obviously faded quickly. But like, I'm telling you. The new kid being like the shiny new toy and like having this in a very in a small, small like environment is so realistic. Like yeah. absolutely that absolutely would happen. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone wants to be her friend, but she can't be bothered to learn any of their names, which checks out. Okay, Bella's right brain, sure. Okay. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> she meets she meets this girl who turns out to be Jessica, but Bella forgets their name. And she's like, she goes around the table, the lunch table, and, and tells me all their names. I forget them as soon as she said them. <laughs> Just I'm like, Bella. No, no effort. I mean, yeah, I get it. But you could, you could, you could like pick one person and be like, I'm going to remember them. And then it's like repeated mm-hmm. the rest of the lunch, you know, but whatever. So they're sitting there chatting and that's when we get the first sight. Mm. <laughs> Bella looks over. And sees five 
super hotties across the lunchroom. <laughs> we have a blonde girl who's just super hot. We have a buff guy who's super buff. We have a bronze haired boy who looks super skinny and lame next to the buff guy. <laughs> and we get a very, very small girl. A small The small girl was pixie-like, thin in the extreme with small pe- features. And I'm pretty sure that sentence gave me an eating disorder, just reading that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, the fact that Bella's described as 110 pounds later. <laughs> and, but, yeah. and Bella's like, they all look nothing alike, but they all look exactly wait, wait. like. What? Bro, you forgot about Jasper. Oh, uh, I don't know. There's also another Jasper. blonde boy who's grumpy. Yeah, that's it. And and Al and the the small pixie like girl specifically has spiky black hair. Mm-hmm. And you may be thinking, oh, that's sort of some fashionable pixie cut, but it is not. We'll post on our Instagram <laughs> at some point what what is obviously stuff like it's like I would say it's more of the My Chemical Romance spiky black hair variety. Yeah. So Bella's like they're all they look nothing alike, but they all look exactly alike. They're all super pale and have dark on under eye circles and did i mention that they're all super hot and she's like i can't decide who's more beautiful the blonde haired girl or the bronze haired boy and i'm like ma'am like this is if anything like this i guess they're just meant to be because rosalie is literally the blonde haired girl is literally supposed to be the like most beautiful hot woman ever and the fact that edward like compares to her lanky little 17 year old boy edward so i do want to compare this to the movie because i think this is one of the situations in which the movie really improved on the introduction of the collins so Catherine hardwick directed the first movie and i one of the only true impulse purchases that i've made in my life is the twilight illustrated the twilight director's companion guide illustrated director's companion i bought it in sam's i was waiting in line at sam's club and i just picked it up I purchased it and Catherine Hardwick. So it tells you all these like little fun behind the scenes facts about the Twilight movie, which I will be incorporating throughout here. And in the movie, the Cullens like all walk into the lunchroom like one by one. And as they're walking in, Jessica, who's like giving Bella the down low, is like, oh, that's Emmett and Rosalie. They're together. And that's Jasper and Alice. And they're together. And that's Edward Cullen. And I just like it's so... Like they're just like slow walking and they're each doing like their own thing and looking broody. And Emmett is carrying a bag of hard boiled eggs for some reason. <laughs> and it's really just like, it's, it just feels very smooth. And there's like a very strong blue filter. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And what I want to know, only semi related to this, but we all know the vampire transformation makes you super hot. But like, what time period does it make you hot for? You know, like if you transformed in like the 1300s, mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure there was like very different beauty standards than today. So like you had a theory, like I guess it could just be they make it makes your face just like symmetrical. So you're like the quote unquote like perfect man or woman because it doesn't seem yeah. to affect like, you know, body weight or like hair very much. So that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, I don't know. It's like, just is so it Western beauty standards? Is it like where, like what area of the world are we talking? Right, right. Yeah, because if you're immortal, like, it's obviously going to change and the magic must know, like, it's, you know, maybe that's, like, the magic, the vampire magic's, like, way of, you know, population control because, like, as you get older, <laughs> you get less hot. So, like, <laughs> you get less slurpable goodies. Oh, my gosh. So, what texture is their hair? That's what I want to know. It's supposed to be soft because Bella definitely runs her hands through it at one point. But I'm also, what I want to know is, does the vampire transformation make you look 
older or younger or like more or less mature because you're frozen at the age that you are changed at, but you're also hotified. And frankly, like I I think that there are very few people who like look hotter when they're like 16 versus when like they're 25 and like fully grown. Like you just look spindly and like yeah. gangly because you're a teenager. I don't think it's inherently sexual. Like it's not like inherently making you more hot in a sexual way. It's just making you more beautiful because the whole thing is just preying on like pretty privilege basically. Like even mm-hmm. if you're like a kid, people want to help a good looking kid more than a not good looking kid. Yeah. So like I think that's what it is. Speaking of time periods and like making it appealing to certain time periods, Alice's hair because it's like – you know, the My Chemical Romance variety. Do you think the vampire venom, despite the fact that she was changed in like the early 20th century, <laughs> vampire venom was like, just you wait, guys. I'm going to make her appealing to the emo generation. Yeah. Like, it's going to be, it's good. It's going <laughs> to be big. Future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because it, yeah. Cause like there's no, because it does, at least in movie canon, it does like grow and thicken your hair, not like dramatically, but it, mm-hmm. it it does do that to some extent. So the fact that it didn't like give Alice like a nice pixie cut, it just like kept exactly the spikes. So the Collins cover story that we get from Jessica is that they all are like some assortment of adopted children versus foster children that live with uh, Dr. Cullen and his wife. And but they're all like dating each other. So in mm-hmm. either it because they're Esme's niece and nephew, like in either situation, they're dating their actual cousins. So <laughs> it's not good either way. Oh, I never thought of that. I never realized that like, yeah, wow, it's fucked up. So <laughs> Jessica is like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure that Mrs. Cullen couldn't have kids. And that's why they like adopted all the kids. And I'm like, why are you assuming it was Mrs. Cullen, Jessica? It just easily have been Carlisle who was infertile like yes. come on just clap male infertility again. is far more is far more common than people think gentlemen your fertility can go down as well it's just like women so freeze your sperm so just in terms of who's together so the two blonde like the family story the two blondes are rosalie and jasper and they're like presented as like siblings and like they're being fostered as twins and being fostered by esme who's like the cullen mom and she's their actual aunt allegedly and then rosalie is dating Emmett, who is the big buff one and alice is dating jasper and alice is the little one and edward is sad and single and Edward, Emmett, and Alice are all just like adopted children who are in no way biologically related. And Carlisle is the town doctor. He's like a big, big hotshot doctor. But the reason that they moved to Forks is because Mrs. Cullen, Esme, wants to live in a small town. But I'm just like, wouldn't living in a city make more sense in terms of maintaining the cover story of being vampires? Because like you don't stick out as much. In a city. It seems like the only reason they like live so publicly is because Carlisle wants to play doctor. Well, what do you mean? He could play doctor either way. And here's the thing. I realized like they live currently really far out of town in Forks, which I realized doesn't really matter if your high, allegedly high school kids don't sleep. So like it's not an issue for them to get to school on time. So they could <laughs> still like live their lives in a major city, but have their like house and privacy like pretty far away in the outskirts because they can just mm-hmm. run fucking really fast and get to the school and they wouldn't even need to pretend like they drove their cars there because they could just be like oh i took public transit that's mm-hmm. how i got here that's how i got here it wasn't that i ran through the woods 
<laughs> Why is there a twig in your hair? I don't know. Those buses are always so dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what goes on in city buses? Yeah. There was, listen, the, the window was open. A branch came in and hit me on the way in. <laughs> I just saved a cat on my way. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. We're not going to, I mean, I don't know. How far should we push? There's just like so much that can be unpacked there about how little it makes sense for them to be doing what they're doing. It doesn't. They're, and they're going to high school, like these beings right. that are like 100 years old are willingly repeating high school. <laughs> and they don't even like, they don't even make friends. They don't even like, no, oh, they keep, doing yeah, it for they the keep to themselves. Yeah, it doesn't. They say it's like, because it allows them to stay in one place. Like the younger they pretend to be, but I'm like, Esme could just fucking homeschool them. Yeah, maybe it's like to keep them like in used to the smell of like humans. So they don't get like tempted or it's just like self-flagellation, just like <laughs> punishment imposed by Carlisle. Yeah, Especially I don't know. For Jasper, who honestly deserves it, but <laughs> Jasper's backstory is an eclipse, so we can't talk about that yet. So yeah, Bella sees Alice get up and like dump her full tray of food out. So they all have full trays of food, but vampire—they're vampires. So they don't fucking eat human food, and it's so wasteful. Like, think of the amount of food waste. Even if they're just pretending to eat lunch, like, why don't you just like fucking pretend that you're not hungry or just like, like eat no, like. I'm- if it was today and they're supposed to be like a super healthy, like outdoorsy family, they could just be like, oh, we're intermittently fasting, you know? And Alice, like, she's like super graceful and she like moves pretty fast when she goes. And my question is like, the vampires can move super fast and like, can they move faster than the speed of light? And we can talk more about this later during the car scene, during the Tyler's van scene, but. Oh, yeah, no, we did this I math. think just like, no, puzzle no. me this. No, we did this math. It does not no, work no, no. out. We'll talk about it. No, 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 we did this math and they definitely fucking can. <laughs> All no, right, we'll talk wait, about this. I'm gonna. T- I'm. Gonna, I want. I, I got. I need the Tyler's van stuff to back up my my theory. No, it doesn't work because we did the math on how long it would take. It took them to like run to Canada or whatever. Remember? Okay. No. Anyway, it would take like a fraction of a second anyway. to get to Canada. Shh. <laughs> Shh. Okay, we'll talk about this later. I shouldn't have brought it up. Apologies. Right now. Bella rolls into biology. There's only one empty seat. Who's it by? The kid no one else wants to sit next to. Edward! (laughs) And Bella naturally, like, trips on her way in because that's... And in the movie, we get this great shot of Edward. There's, like, a stuffed owl in this bio... A snuffed, snowy owl in this biology room. And the camera line shots, like, is set up so that... The wings are like directly behind Robert Pattinson as Edward. And so he's an angel and it's superb. Like Catherine Hardrick, you goddamn genius. <laughs> <laughs> and she's ready to like, you know, charm the pants off him. Just like she's made best friends with everyone else in the school. But he looks at her like she smells like shit and he hates her. And <laughs> she's like, I, I, I surreptitiously smelled my hair to make sure that I smell bad. <laughs> she's like it's now it's my normal shampoo <laughs> and he just sits there like literally looking like he wants to murder her the entire time but then at the end quote fluidly he rose and he just like zooms on out the door before she can say anything yeah and in so we'll also we'll touch a little bit we're not going to do midnight sun which is twilight from edward's perspective there's a whole drama from that which we can discuss if we if we ever do a midnight sun episode let us know if you want us to do that but to incorporate some of the things we learn about in Midnight Sun, Edward spends his entire biology class running through different scenarios in which he can, like, kill everyone in the room, eat Bella, and get away scot-free. 
Like he's constantly, he's like, well, I got to take out the teacher and I got to snap everyone's neck and it only take me two seconds. And then I can like drink Bella. But like, then she'll, she'll have, if she sees me kill them, she'll be scared. And like the adrenaline will make her blood taste bad. Or he's like, or I can wait and lure her out. Like she'll definitely come with me because I'm so hot. Which like, <laughs> which like she fucking would. Like Bella 100% would come with him. <laughs> or maybe she wouldn't because she'd be like, I don't know how to get to Spanish. And Edward would be like, oh, it's this way. And she's like, it's not fucking that way. I memorized the map. So Mike comes to like walk her to her next class that they have together. Wait, we haven't, we've met, we haven't met Mike yet. Oh, okay. Okay. This so this is Mike's introduction. Oh, so we meet our third boy, uh, which is no, Mike. No, with second the spikes. boy. We haven't met Tyler yet. Oh, we I guess met Eric. Edward is a boy. I'm counting Edward, yeah. Oh. Mike with the spikes, except his spikes are orderly as opposed to Alice's uneven ones. And Mike is very friendly, very nice to Bella. Um, she quickly turns on him and starts describing him as a golden retriever, derogatory in her head. Yeah. <laughs> which very rude. Like justice for Mike, he did nothing wrong other than be friendly. And he definitely has frosted tips. We should make a, a poll on this on Instagram. But is having a golden retriever personality really an insult? Like, I definitely saw a TikTok recently where someone described their like girlfriend or something as a golden retriever personality, but it was definitely not supposed to be an insult. It was like complimentary. So like, what you're loyal and you're cheerful and you're fun. I mean, I guess like the only negative thing to be said is that you're not like discerning and who you're nice to. But, like, is that really the worst thing in the world? I don't know. God forbid. Yeah. But Mike's like, oh, what'd you do to Colin? Would you stab him with a pencil or something? And Bella's like, oh, man, it was me. (laughs) (laughs) She's, like, worried about that. And then school's over. So she goes to get her, like, slip. Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to get a slip signed? I think to prove that you went to all your classes, that you, like, made it everywhere. Okay. So she goes to turn it in, except who was already there? and somehow he doesn't notice her when she walks in the door the first time i don't really understand how but edward is like hunched over the front desk doing his best to charm the pants off of poor mrs cope the purple shirt lady (laughs) and all bella hears is like i need you to get me out of biology like literally any other class i can't i need to switch out of biology and mrs cope is like sorry i can't but edward definitely have sealed the deal except that another girl comes in and with her brings like a gust of wind that I guess blows Bella's scent on Edward. So I don't, I really don't understand how he wouldn't. I guess he's not breathing maybe at this point. Mm-hmm. But Edward like realizes Bella's there, turns around, shoots her a murderous glare, and storms off. Yeah, Edward, and in his fucking head, in Midnight Sun, Edward is so fucking furious. <laughs> he's so like, in his head. He's like, oh my fucking god, this bitch is here. God <laughs> damn it! Like, why is she always in my personal space? And and Bella, like, she's just like, oh, fuck. Like, I really pissed him off. But, like, that's his problem. Whatever. Yeah. So she goes home. And a little preview. Edward spends the next, I think it's only a few days, brooding in Alaska. <laughs> and also being flirted with by, like, this other hot vampire that he's like, oh, she's always flirting with me and, like, touching my butt. And I don't like it. And, like, I'm not interested in her. Wow. Yeah, like, Edward, you can't simultaneously, like, claim that you don't realize how hot you are and how you like dazzle people the people around you and in your murder scenario sitting in high school <laughs> biology take it as a given that bella will follow you if you ask her because <laughs> you're so hot <laughs> like edward edward is like trying to pull off like i don't know i'm beautiful and that's what makes me beautiful <laughs> like, it is not working, son. Okay. yeah and so bella gets home and she asks charlie what the deal is about the collins charlie is ride or die 
for the Cullens. He is like, everybody is so mean. Everybody's always gossiping about Carlisle and Esme. But it's so great that Carlisle is living here and being presumably possibly the only doctor in our hospital. But then as soon as Edward is even just like a little bit mean to Bella, Edward, like Charlie's like cocking his shotgun. He's like ready. He's ready to blaze up the Cullen Mansion. And at this point, I was also like, so the house where they filmed um, the Swan House. Her name is Bella Swan. I don't think we ever said that. It's Bella and Charlie Swan. Yeah. And the house that they filmed for all the movies is now an Airbnb. And it's in like Oregon or something. But I really want to stay there. And I'm pretty sure it's like pretty affordable. Like I don't think it's like crazy expensive. And they like have dressed up the house like the movie. Like they've like it's all it's all the same like furnishings and like Bella's purple bedspread and like all of that. So the next day, Bella comes to school and she's super on edge and nervous, which is the first time Edward is able to make her feel like she's walking on eggshells without even being there. Um, red flag number one. But she comes there and she's like super nervous to see him again because he looked like he hated her so much. But then they get to lunch and he's not there. However, can I just make a note that Bella has managed to somehow completely rewrite established high school lunchroom eating patterns because Mike comes to sit with like Jessica and the gang and like all her new friends come to sit together, which like would never happen. Like I feel like once you have your lunch seat by like day two, you're not switching that shit around. Mm -mm. And also like she doesn't even, she's not, it's not the beginning of the year. It's not even, even if they had a semester schedule where it's like one semester before like winter break, one semester after, she comes like several weeks into the school year. We don't know exactly when. Is Stephanie Stephanie Meyer not aware of how rigid high school cafeteria table like assignments are or is Bella just that powerful the new kid being the new kid you're really that powerful although we have what I realized this is what I forgot to say in the office scene when when Edward's trying to change his schedule we were trying to discuss this was in terms in the context of like exactly how shitty a parent is Renee like does Forks High School operate on like a semester is it like two halves of the year and like you totally switch your classes like you have one set of classes in the first half and one set of classes in the second half or is it like the same classes all year round and I think that we can probably conclusively say that it's the it's the two semester system because how else would Edward even be able to reasonably like ask to transfer into another class if it wasn't only like two weeks into this biology class right yeah it's true yeah, I mean, yeah, this kind of sh- like shit with Renee. Like, I, I, the more I think about it, the more I realize like it's it would have been so shitty to switch schools in high school. Like, how the fuck do you? Yeah, even if it's like two weeks in, it's still so much to catch up on. Like, it's it's a good thing she does say that everything at Forks is very easy, and she's like already done all the stuff. She's like, oh, maybe Renee will send me my old folder of essays because I've already like done everything. But even if you've already learned everything once. Like, that doesn't mean I'd be able to recall any of it, you know? Like, how does she take the final exam having missed, like, a substantial portion of the semester? Yeah. Well, that's my thing is I think she only – I think she's only missed, like, the first week because it's a – it's by – it's the, like, semester-based classes. And – but that also applies to the lunch – the lunch room where, like, presumably you're possibly – well, here's the thing. Our high school was big enough that you had to have different lunch periods, but Forks is like like there's maybe like 120 students there, so like they could theoretically all fit in the same lunch period. And this is also when Bella gets all the frantic emails from Renee, right? Or is that the first day? Whatever she gets emails from Renee, and Renee's like, "Where's my shirt? <laughs> I'm calling if you don't respond." And it's really she tries to play it off as if it's because she cares about Bella, but really she just wants that fucking shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a nice shirt. She had to get it dry cleaned. <laughs> 
So also at this day at school, Edward is not there. Bella's very anxious about it. Um, he's not there for like the whole week and then he comes back because like she finally like stops looking for him. And then, of course, like on that day, he's there. He's back. But during this week, they are talking about this beach trip that Mike wants to take. This beach, they're going to the Quilliot Reservation when it gets warmer. And keep in mind, it's like January, maybe first week of February at this point. And they're in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> which doesn't get warm until like late June. But I guess they're all used to cold weather. But this, they are endlessly planning this beach this trip. beach trip is one of several things that is like hit you over the head foreshadowed. However, what I will say for the beach trip is that at least the beach trip actually fucking happens. Which is more <laughs> than I can say for these other things. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll get to them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now while they're planning this beach trip for warmer weather, it snows. And Bella hates the snow and is also like, yeah, I've only ever seen snow in movies, which I'm like, what? <laughs> this is where I feel like Bella doesn't actually even dislike the cold. She's just parroting Renee's beliefs because she, as much as she, she says she like hates forks, like she's only ever been there in the summer. She's grown up in a warm weather place. She sure as hell adapts really fucking quickly as soon as, like, you know, Edward comes on the scene and she wants to stay in Forks, you know? And, like, she's, yeah, she's never seen snow and yet her reaction is to, like, hate on it. And it's like, are you just, like, is this just something, like, Renee has drilled into you? Like, you know? Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah. They're having snowball fights. She hates it. They're planning a big snowball fight after school and she is not happy about it but thankfully it starts to rain which washes all the snow away so everyone is sad but bella she goes to lunch and who's there but edward however the, at the moment at which she chooses to look over the cullens look like something straight out of like a normal norman rockwell painting because they're having like this super uh, aesthetic staged snowball fight and like emma is shaking slush out of his spikes and something we find out from Midnight Sun is that Alice, who can see the future, was like, Bella's going to look over here. Get your snowball fight ready. And they, like, do it to look <laughs> like a super happy-go-lucky, like, Instagram-ready family, <laughs> who's totally yeah. normal and totally not trying to eat you, TM. <laughs> yes, because Bell Edward is here to repair his reputation with Bella specifically. Otherwise, the family's going to have to move. And God forbid they don't live in this tiny town anymore. And... Bella strolls into biology and Edward is there and Edward tries to talk to her. So we established Edward's motto for this entire series, gaslight, gatekeep, boy boss. <laughs> that is his entire MO. Because at the end of it, Bella's like, did I make this whole thing up? Like, was he really looking like he wanted to kill me? Yeah. So he calls her Bella and she's like, why'd you call me Bella? And he's like, isn't that your fucking name? And she's like, yeah, but everybody called me Isabella when they first met me, which is just like, I don't know. Bella has some balls because I don't know whether I would ever have the nerve to call that out. Like <laughs> if someone I'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird, but I just wouldn't think about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. It was it was like one of the many things of like Bella that I'm like, why did you even like think that? Like I just didn't understand how our mind like came to that conclusion. But I guess I don't have a nickname. So like maybe it's like. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. And we and and Bella also recognizes she looks at Edward. She's like, last time he looked very scary and evil. And now he doesn't look scary and evil. What's different? And what's different, she realizes, is that the first time his eyes were like pitch black. And this time his eyes are like bright gold. And she's like, did you get contacts? 
And he's like, no. And in the movie, he's like, it's the fluorescence. And then he just like storms away down the hallway. (laughs) And Edward's like, oh, I'm like so well practiced at like lying to people. Like I always know like just what to say. And he's like, I I came determined to talk to Bella. Like I would talk to any other person. But like, A, they don't seem to talk to that many people. They have like literally zero friends and only talk to themselves. B, like if you're so good at lying, like you couldn't have like, you know, come up with something when she's like, did you get contacts? Like, Like, yes. (laughs) Like, yes, I got, I got fucking contacts. It's yeah, he's so it and and the fact is I don't think Edward so Edward spoiler alert has a superpower where he can read people's minds, but he can't read Bella's mind, which is basically like the frankly the only reason he's into her because otherwise like <laughs> I don't think he would be. But so the only reason he's good at lying is because like he knows exactly what people are thinking and then the moment he doesn't know exactly what someone's thinking, he's like, "What? No, no." It's the fluorescence. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like this this biology class, they're doing a lab on like onion root. And they like, you know, have this like aggressive competitive like who can like identify the most quickly under the slide, like the slides. Yeah. And then it's like the stages touch. of cell division. It's like yeah. mitosis and whatever. Anaphase, whatever. Prophase. My, yeah. And they touch okay. and there's an electric <laughs> current. And then Edward's like, why did you even come? He's like, you don't like the cold. And she's like, no. And he's like, why did you even come here? And then she, like, spills her whole, like, backstory, basically, and he is, like, baffled by her rightfully, honestly. But I guess, like, you need the background of Renee being, like, a piece of shit to fully yeah, understand. Yeah, he, he points out, he's, like, Bella's essentially, like, yeah, I'm making myself unhappy so that my mom can be happy. And he's, like, that's not fair. And she's, like, hasn't anyone told you life isn't fair? And I'm, like, I don't think this is a life isn't fair situation. I think this is you have a shitty parent who is putting her happiness above yours. And listen, parents deserve happiness too, but you can't sacrifice the well-being. Like if you have kids, you got to be prepared to put their well-being first. Like I don't care. Also, Bella's like, my mom calls me my open book because like she can always read her face. Her mom also says she's like middle-aged, like she was born 35 and growing more middle-aged every year. And I'm like, or that's because you're a fucking abusive parent who parentified your daughter and forced her to take on an adult role before she was actually an adult. She was doing the bills by the time she was eight. Like, was she yeah. born middle-aged or was she forced to be middle-aged? Like, what? Well, she- She's she was she was forced to do the fucking bills because like after one too many times of being kicked out of their fucking house yeah. probably because God. Renee didn't feel, do the fucking bills. Like it would be very on brand for Renee to have another kid, especially since Phil is so young. So like his young sperm can compensate, and she's only like you know she's like what thirty nine like at this point thirty six. Yeah, yeah, so definitely definitely old enough. She like could replace Bella. It's like the Princess Diaries. Like. <laughs> no, but the mom isn't fucked at the Princess Diaries. But wait, wait. So so Bella's like. Edward, like, guesses something, and Bella's like, ah, oh, my mom calls me her open book. Like, I'm always so – it's always so obvious what I'm thinking. And Edward's like, actually, I find you really hard to read. And then Bella's like, well, you must be a good <laughs> – you must be a good reader. And it took me so long to understand how that made any fucking sense because – Please I like, explain a, it because I yeah, still don't fucking I always understand. Thought, like, if he's a good reader, why does he find her hard to read if she's easy to read? But what it is is that – Edward figures out a lot of stuff about Bella, but yet still says he finds her hard to read, implying that he usually gets a lot more stuff from people. So, like, it still doesn't really make sense. But it's like, if he didn't get that much from me, and that's, like, on the low end of his scale, that's, like, he's not doing very well, then he must get, like, a lot of stuff from most people. I will accept it, but it feels very convoluted. (laughs) It does. It does. 
Anyway, so end of end of biology. Edward runs off again, but like it's basically you know. if you, it's, it's if you discount everyone else's opinions and only judge it on the scale of Edward, it makes sense. But if you you have to forget that everyone else finds her like easy to read. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This is one of like many situations in which Bella and Edward have an exchange, and I'm like, what? <laughs> right. I don't yeah, understand what saying. just happened, but like, oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand, and it's, it's like, I don't know. And they'll constantly be referencing like promises they made like two pages ago, and I'm like, what are you talking? Like, what? Yeah. But okay, so, um, Edward storms off again because obviously he still wants to eat her, even if he's like trying to be cool, and. Mike rolls up and he's like, wow, Cullen was a lot more chatty today. And I'm just like, I realized that like Mike does always call Edward by his last name. And I'm just like, do people in the United States actually do that? Like, I does anyone outside the UK actually call each other by their last name? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Cullen on 2.5 speed in Ileana Kudushin's voice does sound a lot like Colin. So maybe he thinks that's actually his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Carlisle Colin. Yeah. Kid, ch- children named Colin Colin. Colin Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The next morning, we had the snow and the snow was washed away. However, there was a freeze overnight and now there's ice. So Bella wakes up and because it's she's clumsy and it's icy, she almost like falls 10 times on her ass to get to the car. Which, listen, that's fair. I'm it like. Is fair. It is. So it's irrelevant that you cut that. So, but she's driving to school and she's like, wow, this is weird. Like this truck is really good in the snow and ice. Like I'm surprised it's so easy to drive there, to like drive right now. And when she gets to school, she realizes it's because there's snow chains on her car. And she yeah. literally is like so overwhelmed with emotion. She's like, Charlie must have woken up at the crack of who knows when to put these on. And I've never been taken care of like this in my life. Yeah. Like never. And I'm like, ma'am. It's the bare minimum. <laughs> emancipate or just like get Charlie to get custody of you. Like, and as, so as she's standing there being overwhelmed with emotion, many things happen at once. She notices <laughs> Edward standing really fucking far away. On the other she side of the parking lot, staring at her in horror. With horror. A van screeching around the corner. The, the mechanics of this van, I've never been able to picture. I've thought about this so many times. The way the many the way that the van like turns and twists, it makes no fucking sense. But you gotta accept it. So the van is like two seconds. Slips on some black ice and it's like Eah! and Tyler Crowley in the van is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Bella's like frozen. Ah, by the corner of by the corner of her truck. And right before it smashes her flat. Something knocks into her from a completely unexpected direction. And suddenly she's on the ground. It's Edward. And somehow, which makes no sense. Somehow the van like curves around and is about to hit her again. Which it makes, I guess, okay. Okay. So let's say, let's say that the front of the truck is square. I'm picturing her on, let's say the right front side and the van is coming from the right. So I guess he could like knock her, he could come from the right and knock her to the left. Mm-hmm. But then how do they end up, like, next to the car? Like, you'd have to make a sharp right angle for the van I to go around. I don't oh, know. He, he saves her again. He swings her legs out of the way like a rag doll. And suddenly <laughs> they're on the floor in the ice. On the ground. Yeah. And this makes me wonder, because this is literally the day after Edward gets back. Like, he gets back, like, really soon. And then this happens. Do you think Alice, like, did somehow know about the truck rescue and, like, subtly convinced Edward, like, this is the time to come home and get back to school right away? <laughs> 
This is when the gaslighting really begins in earnest between Edward and Bella. But right before that, there's – I don't know. I, I, I noticed it re- – I think really for the first time during this reread, I think it's because like the ver- it's the first time that I've really reread it post being super into romance. But there's like a really – I don't know. There's a really cute like romantic moment. Like Edward is like cradling her and he's like, oh my god, Bella, are you okay? And he's like so tender. And then immediately Bella starts asking questions and Edward is like – Fuck you. Forget everything that you just saw. You hit your head. You have a concussion, idiot. My God. Yeah. 100%. Oh, also the snow chains thing reminds me of the moment in the fourth Harry Potter book when Mrs. Weasley hugs Harry in the hospital wing. And Harry is like, he had no memory of being hugged like this as if by a mother. Except that (laughs) Bella's not an orphan. She basically fucking is because of how shitty Renee is. Yeah. So they're on the ground and and Bella's like, how did you get over here so fast? And Edward's like, I, I was standing right next to you. And she's like, no, you weren't. I saw you. And she's like, and he's like, no one's going to believe that. <laughs> she's like, will you promise to explain? He's like, he's like, please don't tell anyone. And she's like, all right, I promise as long as you tell, promise to explain later. And he's like, fine. Yeah. So the ambulance gets called. <laughs> Everybody's freaking out. Obviously, because there's just been a near-death experience. Bella gets rolled onto a stretcher. She has a neck brace, which she's very embarrassed by, which, like, I don't know. Like, girl, you just got – no one's going to be like, ha-ha, she's in a neck – this is like the albino thing all over again. Nobody's laughing at your medical it's condition. It's rule. It's, it's like – and she does this. As soon as she gets to the, ho- to the hospital, she, like, rips it off. So she gets wheeled into the ambulance. Edward doesn't have to be on a gurney because, you know, whatever. He's, like, too hot for that. And Tyler Crowley, who's the driver of the van, who is boy number four, is also being wheeled to the hospital because, you know, he was in a van that crashed into two cars. And as she's being wheeled onto the ambulance, Bella sees Edward's family watching with expressions ranging from disapproval to fury. And... So she's like, that's weird. They're, none of them seem worried that their brother almost died. But what I want to know is why is Alice watching with, with disapproval? Because at this point, Alice is just like, Bella's going to be my best friend. And like, I'm so glad that she's alive. <laughs> like, And like, why doesn't Be- Alice just take it into her own hands to be friends with Bella, like totally separately from Edward, which I feel like would be much healthier. Like maybe she foresees that Bella would feel weird dating like her best friend's brother. But like an extra but, fun trope. Right. Best friend's brother. Yeah, she's like, like, that's not the right trope for this. Because but like what is what is the Twilight trope? It's like forbidden love, age gap romance. <laughs> oh my- <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so <laughs> they're at the hospital. Immediately throws the neck brace under the bed, which is like very similar vibes to like the requisite wake up in the hospital, immediately start ripping out IVs for no discernible reason. I mean, Bella does that too. Yeah, I just don't understand why that would be your instinct, unless you have reason to believe that you've been like kidnapped or drugged like in the matrix okay when the guy at the end like main morpheus whatever when he like escapes like yeah that makes sense rip those fucking ivs out they're like trying to brainwash you like normally the first time i vividly remember this was in the book hoot if anyone's read that it's about them like seizing the burrowing (laughs) out and the one kid gets bitten by the the junkyard dogs and they take him to the hospital and because the hospital doesn't know they like won't admit which dogs it is so they're like about to give him rabies shots, but instead he wakes up, rips out the IVs, and jumps out the window. And I'm like, "Sir, like, why? Just, just get those shots. Like, what? Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> I, I just remember being so baffled. I was like, "Like, I understand this is a hospital in Florida, so it's all one floor, and you just jump out the window, but like, why?" 
for oh, what? See, I was imagining him like jumping out the second floor window, <laughs> landing on an awning, like rolling down to the ground, like somersaulting and then like sprinting away. <laughs> so Tyler is Tyler is he's okay. He has like all cuts on his face and stuff from the shattered glass, which the shattered glass, which only shatters because of fucking Edward's rock ass shoulder hitting the van. <laughs> and I guess it's better than Bella, you know splattering against the fan but Tyler's like constantly has like a string of apologies to Bella and Bella's like really fucking she's like it's fucking fine like whatever I'm not dead it's totally chill yeah she pretends to be asleep so Tyler stops apologizing (laughs) and then Edward rolls in and Tyler starts apologizing to him and we get another little a fun little vampire joke here where Edward is like no blood no foul Tyler like it's fine and I'm like you you little fucking shit like (laughs) i just and i'm like why he's constantly making blood jokes like why is he so shocked that bella figures out he's a fucking vampire he's basically just like walking around like like the fucking riddler like speaking in like thematic puns all the time (laughs) like with his identity he probably just thinks he's being like hip and like using the modern lingo because we know he sounds like very old-fashioned so he's probably like oh this is something i've read recently in shakespeare this must be (laughs) he's not that old but (laughs) but so edward has brought dr carlisle cullen because that's where he was he was off chatting with carlisle and he's like fuck carlisle i low-key exposed us and carlisle's like god damn it Edward, now I can't live in my small town anymore and be the head doctor immediately without having to try. But he's like, oh, but it's a little bit compensated because I do love me a patient. I do love me a victim to heal. Oh, I'm sorry. We should be – we we were doing the wrong accent for um, Carlisle. Carlisle is British. He doesn't canonically have a British accent, but he should. He should have a British accent because if you get frozen in the form that you have when you're a vampire – and like your that implies that like your brain gets your thinking patterns get frozen too. You should continually be talking in a British accent. Well, if we're gonna go down that rabbit hole, if they can't change, why can they still create new neural networks? I mean, listen, I don't know enough about n- neuro shit what, to be able to talk with you about that. All you need to know. But all I'm saying is that Edward should be talking in a heavy Chicago accent and. Carlisle should be British and Jasper should have a strong like I'm from Texas no, we, accent. No, no, because they they wouldn't even be able to like learn new anything if that was true. Okay, so, like, they can definitely learn new languages. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yes, but he would have to purposely put on the accent, and I just don't find that realistic. Basically, I want I want Edward to be walking around and be like, Bella, would you like some? deep dish chicago Chicago i don't know how to do a chicago i'm my only reference for chicago accent is grocery store joe from the bachelor carlisle is really good looking just like all his kids he's frozen at the age of 23 but he's supposed to be like like he's 30 she did that for what like there's no reason carlisle has to be 23 he could easily there's other people who are frozen at like 40 like he could easily have been like any age she wanted but she just chose violence she just like (laughs) I don't know. Um, and Carlisle is like super chill and nice, but Bella senses with her spidey senses that something's up and the doctor's in on it. And he like knows. Cause she's like lucky Edward was there. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've all had like hundreds of years to practice 
and are allegedly so good at lying, but they're all terrible liars. They're like, just absolute shit liars. Yeah. Frankly, the only reason they haven't gotten caught by now is because they're just really good at running away super fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's when, anytime something mildly like incriminating happens, they just like run away. And so Bella is like, it's time for Edward to fucking tell me the truth about what is going on. So she confronts him. And he is like, this isn't part of the plan, Bella. My three words are gaslight, gatekeep, boy boss. And that's what that's the plan I'm going to fucking stick to. And so he won't tell her anything. And he's like, why do you even care? And she's like, I am literally not going to tell anyone. I just want to know why I'm lying. Like, can you please just... And Bella is very good at fucking keeping secrets. Like, Bella's mm-hmm. very chill. Much better than I would be, for sure. Oh, for sure. I'd be walking around being like, I know something about the Cullen. Like, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you if you ask nicely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a little shit. And then Bella's like, why did you even bother? As in, why did you even bother saving my life? And Edward is like, I don't know. And then he storms off. And this begins a long, on fucking annoying pattern of Bella implying that Edward regrets or outright saying that Edward regrets saving her life and like thinking that as like her first explanation for why Edward is being like so standoffish. Another prime example of like I just could not conceive of a thought pattern that would get you to that, to that conclusion. Like just incapable. I just don't I don't get it. I didn't even understand what she was like implying at first. And Edward, a little little Midnight Sun preview, Edward is also, he genuinely, he's like, I don't know, like, did I save her because I just didn't want, because I was scared, like, if her blood splattered everywhere that I, like, wouldn't be able to resist eating her? Or, like, did I save her because I'm in love with her, which he definitely is? Or, like, did I save her because I'm just, like, my personality is that of a superhero or, like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Bella goes home and she has her first dream about Edward. And this is when Edward, you don't find this out yet, but you will later, Edward starts watching her sleep every night. He, he started two nights ago. This is night three, I'm pretty sure. He starts the first night he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just very excited that like she finally has said his name yeah. <laughs> in her sleep because she's dreaming about him. So our two lovebirds having some near-death experiences, having some very non-sequitur interactions, watch their love story unfold in next week's episode in part two all right um we're not gonna do just like love hypothesis we're not gonna do the cat scale until the last episode i considering we're only on like fucking chapter six six, i think we i think we can do it we can do it in two parts i i cannot guarantee that there will only be two parts to this we'll try our hardest but i have a lot of fucking notes left oh my jesus christ jesus christ (laughs) i have way more notes left than i thought i did okay i i'm literally 25 percent of the way into my notes wow i listen i swear to fucking god it's not gonna be four parts but i can't guarantee that it won't be three (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) rachel where can they find us well allison they can find us on instagram facebook tiktok and twitter no that's it at We Read It One Night on Twitter because of their character limits. It's at We Read It Podcast. You can also email us, We Read It One Night at gmail.com with any suggestions, feedback, whatever crosses your mind. We'd love to hear it. 
Also, if you leave us, um, if you're listening to this on a site that lets you rate and review podcasts, which I think is mainly Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a rating and review because that really helps us get found by other people. But yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for being such loyal listeners these past two months. And here's to Twilight part two out of question mark. (laughs) Godspeed, comrades. Godspeed.